Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 207. We got a fantastic show today, a little bit of a hybrid. Our big topic today is going to be talking all about how instructional coaches can support our littlest learners. Have you ever found yourself walking in a classroom of K-1, even pre-K, and felt a little out of place. Today, we've got a fantastic instructional coach talking to us all about how you can conquer those fears and really make your way into those younger learners. Get your hands dirty, get on the floor, and have a good time. And she's going to give you some great tips. The other thing I'm excited to share about today is the fact that our guest is a brand new tech coach all over again. And I know that's a topic that's a little near and dear to many of your hearts. Maybe you're listening to this as a brand new coach yourself or starting in a new district. Today, we're going to spend a lot of time at the beginning of the conversation talking all about how to introduce yourself to your staff, meet your needs of your principals, work with your administration team, a lot of that stuff. If you've got questions for this is a great show. And if you're here for the first time, welcome. My name is Jeff Bradbury. I've been an instructional coach for the last 10 years, and we have a fantastic instructional coaching network just for you over at askthetechcoach.com. We got our websites, our blogs, our videos, our professional development. Lots of great stuff for downloading. And if you go over to askthetechcoach.com, scroll all the way to the bottom, you can join our free Facebook and LinkedIn groups. One of the best professional developments that you can do as an instructional coach. We're almost at 800 people in our instructional coaching network and would love to have you be a part of that as well. There's, of course, several other great things that you can do here on Twitter when following us over at Ask the Tech Coach or follow the hashtag TechCoachEDU. My guest today is an instructional coach from the great state of Virginia, and I'm excited to have her on today to talk all about how we as coaches can support teachers of the littlest kind. I'm so thrilled to bring on today Miss Debbie Tannenbaum. Debbie, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you on here. You know, we had a chance to catch up at ISTE and there's a lot of great things going on. Uh, before we really get started, tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you think of the conference this year? I absolutely loved the conference this year. It was especially when I got to meet you at that um at the breakfast, we got to meet at a breakfast where we got to connect with lots of other educators who we had had connections with online. Um, it was just so amazing. I got a chance to interact with people who I've only ever interacted with online. Um, I had a chance to present lots of different types of sessions, learn things in sessions. I, I loved every minute of it. Um, it was a really, really wonderful experience. and. Um, I can't wait to go to the next in-person event. Um, I just hope nothing comes back. So, you know. Yeah, uh, about that. So, some of us are still dealing with things that we came back from New Orleans with. So we'll, we'll kind of. I didn't come back with it. My husband did. Um, I, I'd been sick in May. So, um, but yeah, very happy it's... that today is day 11 in our world. Yeah, I know. We're, we're recording this right now on July 12th. We're, we're all still kind of handling all this and. 
you know, the one thing I took away, well, the second thing I took away from New Orleans was this concept that instructional coaching is alive and well. And Absolutely. that's a good thing. There were so many great instructional coaching uh, networks, networking happening, a lot of great sessions going on. Everybody had a different take on it. There was even an instructional coach's playground where you had everybody in one big, huge space just so kind of hanging out and checking all that stuff out. And, you know, if you didn't have a chance to make the conference, or even if you do, we reached out to as many instructional coaches from ISTE. And that's why we've been putting out a ton of content this summer. Uh, traditionally, you know, we put out our shows every single Monday, but you know what? We're doing like 10 to 15 ISTE wrap up shows featuring. Wow all the great uh, instructional coaching presenters. So if you happen to listen to this and you're like, didn't Jeff just put out a show a couple of days ago? Yes. And we're trying to get the best of ISTE out to you guys as we sit Aww. here and get ready for the school year. Some of you, of course, have already started the school year. Some of you are starting new positions. Debbie, you're starting something brand new. Congratulations yeah, on uh, starting a new adventure. Thank you. It's interesting. I'm starting a new adventure um, in a new place but this is actually going to be my fourth year in this position. They call us a instructional. They call us a school-based technology specialist, which I don't necessarily like that name. I consider myself a tech coach, um, but I'm really excited to be at the school I'm starting at tomorrow. It's a little bit smaller than my old school, um, about 300 less kids. Um, but I'm really excited to be able to join the school and be part of the coaching team and really take the work I've been doing over the last four or five years and, you know, start, you know, enter a new place and make an impact there. Now you mentioned a few things. You mentioned new position. You mentioned different type of school district. You mentioned that you've been doing this for a while, but then you mentioned that you're working with other coaches. So there's many people that are going to be listening to this that are kind of in that box somewhere, right? Either they're starting a new job mm -hmm. or maybe they're in the same district, but switch schools, or maybe they're trying to figure how to fit into a group that's already existed. Talk to us a little bit about this. Cause I'm excited for you. You're doing this tomorrow for the first time. Yep. What's your strategy. It's all about building relationships. We know. Absolutely. That. I, but are you, are you, do you already have an appointment with your principal? Like, like how I do 9am, 9am. Um, and that's one of the things that I think is really important. You know, when I became a tech coach four years ago, I had all these grand plans of what I was going to do. And I didn't really spend enough time learning about the landscape of the school I was already coming into. And I kind of pushed really hard, not really understanding the culture. I was replacing somebody who had been there for quite a long time. And I think it's just really important to get to know the people you're working with, get to know the culture of the school, how they want to use the position and really work with the leadership team to really craft that vision of how technology is going to be used in that school. I just think it's so, you know, it's important because it's really easy to come in with all these grand plans but I've learned the importance in the last couple of years about listening and really seeing what's already there and what can be built on. One of the things I noticed this past year in my old school is I started to do co-teaching with my teachers more often. Well, when I would ask them what they needed support on, they told me math. Well, math might not have been something I would have automatically gravitated to. So then I was able to give them support using technology and math and that might have not been something I would have gotten if I hadn't had those conversations first. 
And I think that's why it's important for all of the instructional coaches listening to realize, you know, it's not the tech. The teachers are not here to learn tech. The teachers are here to figure out how to take their curriculum. And our job is to enhance that curriculum through the digital learning skills. And if your teacher's like, dude, I just got to figure out the math curriculum. Forget the Google Doc. Just be their 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 friend, their guide, their partner, their, you know. Their co-teacher, right? What, whatever that word is. And I find that, like, one of the things I've really focused on, especially in the last two years, is that we went from a period where we were using technology for everything when during COVID, during, I guess, the rush of COVID. We still have COVID now. And then we went, we came back into the buildings and we weren't really using technology at all in a lot of ways. I saw people making Pear Deck packets. Mm-hmm. Um and so I've re- one of the things I've really worked with my teachers on in my old school, and I plan to work on them with in my new school, is I talk about how I really, I have a framework I use with my teachers called planning with intent and really always starting them with those learning objectives and then finding where the technology is really going to help them amplify the learning. I think it's just so important that we do that when, you know, because it's not about doing everything. Teachers can't do everything but there's some there might be something in that math lesson that they're like well i'm trying to teach my kids how to do this and it's just not working well maybe there's a way technology can help them with that and so you know i've had an opportunity especially with some of my littles giving them opportunities to use programs to give them an opportunity to share that math discourse that they can't do without the technology You, you know you and i both know that we shouldn't be using the technology just for the sake of it And so I think that like a teacher will come up to me and they'll be like, I want to use Canva. Well, why are you using it? I love Canva. Um, You know, I have the sticker on my laptop and this and that. But like, why do you want to use it? If a teacher says to me, well, I'm trying to teach my students how to present information and I want to make infographics and I've heard it's great for making infographics. That's a different conversation than I heard it's cool. Right. And and especially Um, as a new coach. Don't rush into saying yes. My advice is always get a grasp on the acceptable use policy before you take a teacher down a road. Well, and, and, and different schools have different things that you're allowed to use. I mean, that was like when I first became a tech coach, like I was shocked how let few people understood that there were certain tools that needed to be approved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I would say, well, you're not allowed to use it, they would be like, well, why not? Well, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know. <laughs> I'm the bad guy now. I have to. I have to. I break feel the like news. I'm the, you know, the 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 tool police, you know. <laughs> but that is part of the gig, right? And that is building yeah. the relationships, and 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 being able to ask why is important, and, and and knowing that you have to ask why, you know, I want to do this. How come? What's your output? What are the curricular standards yeah. saying? How do you want to use the coaches? How do you see us interacting? Why do you want to see, you know, again, you've got multiple coaches now. You're the new person. Why are we working in this way? Maybe I wouldn't ask that the first day, but just being and able I, to understand that philosophy. Only, I believe I'm the only coach who's on an 11 month contract. So it'll be interesting. So I'll actually start and then they'll all come in later. Um, I just, you know, my feeling is, is that it's when you're a tech coach in a school, sometimes you can feel like you're an only, you know, a silo. So I'm actually looking forward to being able to collaborate. I know that in my previous school, I collaborated with our librarian a lot and I collaborated with our advanced academic teacher because when you're feeling like you're an only, sometimes 
you need that collaborative partner to really, you know, take your, your, your work to the next level. And I never found that I had a problem with teachers where I was saying yes too much. I felt like the, in my role, a lot of times it was getting them to trust because this is a non-evaluative role. I am not here to evaluate you. My goal is to build that relationship so you trust me to come into your classroom and share your classroom with, you know, and we share your classroom. PD, you know, it gets a really bad rap right now. My goal is if I can come in and I can co-teach a lesson with you and you can see me model how to do that and I can help you and I can take some of that load of, I'm a little nervous about trying this away and model how it's gonna be used, then you're more likely to try it again versus if you come to a half an hour training after school and then you're like, okay, now what? I love that you just mentioned that because building these relationships starts really on day one, but it's a continual yeah. thing. One of the hardest things that coaches have to do is being able to put themselves into a situation where they might not feel comfortable um, working in a given situation, you know, and that happens on the, on the uppers and the lowers where you might not feel comfortable in AP biology, but you're still able to coach that teacher. Yeah. And today I'm excited because we're going to talk about one of the subjects that's near and dear to my heart, which is helping the younger teachers, helping those two first kindergarten, pre-K, right? Like this is the grades that, that I've just been daddy for the last couple of years and starting to get into those middle grades, I guess, or the upper middle grades. But talk to us a little bit about why is it important for coaches to not only have a good arsenal for middle school, high school, elementary, but we need to have a lot of tricks up our sleeve when working with those pre-K teachers. I think that it's just so important when we're talking about our primary teachers. When I first became a tech coach, I thought I was pretty much just going to be working with teachers. And in my district, what they do is they have us be part of the master schedule in an elementary school. And what that means is that I would see everybody K to six for a half an hour a week. And when I first started doing this, it was really exhausting. I would go in and work with my kindergartners and I'd help one and another one would pop up and another one would pop up. And I was playing this big game of whack-a-mole. And so when it comes to working with littles, I always, when I share and I present on this and I do, and I blog on this, I always talk about that this was my biggest struggle. I was mostly a fourth and fifth grade teacher when I was in the classroom. And so because of that, I had to find a way to help. We assume our students are digital natives and they understand how to do stuff. And yes, they might understand how to go on the iPad, but that doesn't mean they understand how to use technology to help them learn. And so I really focused with my littles on building that idea of understanding that digital environment. I was really fortunate. I uh, was exposed through another podcast to um, Pana Asavatana, who talks about how she taught her students to navigate the icons in order to better understand the digital environment. And that's really influenced my work a lot. I talk a lot about icon literacy and how we have to help our students understand what those icons mean because they're universal. And once we teach them that language of technology that helps promote their agency. And I just think that's so important because a lot of times we tell, we'll, we'll give students directions, but they're little, they're, they're little, they're not going to remember all of them. We have to give them the tools that they need. And, you know, 
programs are going to change. I mean, this is my 23rd year. I can't tell you how many different programs I've gone through, but icons are pretty consistent. Every kid should be able to know what that floppy disk is, even if they don't know what's called a floppy disk. They know it means save. I think this is the first time in a lot of, a lot of, a lot of podcasts I've had the word floppy disk on the show. So, so point for you, point for you, <laughs> Debbie, right there. <laughs> um, I find I gravitate. So let me turn this down. I, 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 when I walk into an elementary school, my natural age becomes kindergarten to first grade. Like I love that age. I miss the kids being that age. Yeah. And I find that a lot of teachers, I'm going to generalize here, you know, they know their routines. Let's, let's pretend that you got a, you know, somebody who's been doing this for a while. Suddenly like a tech coach comes in. What are you going to do with me? My kids can't do anything. Right. I just sit down on the, on the, on the floor with the kids pre-COVID and, and just get to know them, get to play with them, get to have some fun with them, you know, build the blocks, play with the Lego, because really what am I trying to do in those first couple of days? I'm letting the teacher know like, Hey, I can be part of the team. I can, right. I can identify with this. We can have some fun. The kids will like me, but I also, I'm trying to build for like two, three, four years down the road. Like I know that the, the, the pre-Ks and the kindergartners and the first graders, like they're going to be in third grade eventually. So right. I'm trying to even from like, you know, the first month trying to build relationships for the first, you know, for a couple of years down the road, because if a teacher sees you on your hands and knees playing with the kids, that reputation spreads. Hey, he's great. She's great. She's doing what she needs. You know, kid first, as opposed to Debbie's coming in with the scary Chromebook and my kids are going to drop it. Is this the right program for me? Always making sure that we're getting down and really focusing on what the kids are doing and what the kids needs. For me, that's how I work with the upper, you know, with, with the teachers at that point. What's your strategy for uh, for and making I mean, friends? I've, been, I've been really lucky. I play. I really approach it like it's a game. I I joke that you know I teach when I'm teaching the kids how to log in. We, you know, our username is seven digits. We play games going over those things. We make it really. Um, and you know when I first started doing this kids didn't have as much exposure for all of these things I remember it would take us until the first quarter for kids to log in that's not the case anymore kids have gotten much better at these things um, especially by the time they're in first and second grade and so really getting them to do little bits at a time I think is really key you know saying you know, I'm going to teach you, you know, we teach them how to like, hold the computer. We're, we're teaching a lot of strategies and behaviors. You know, I'm going to teach you how to log in. How do you know where you're supposed to put this versus that? And then when we get into programs saying, starting small, okay, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to learn how to use a pen to draw a picture and really, you know, teach those tools a little bit at a time. I use a tool called Wixie with my littles quite a bit that is supported in my district. And I can actually scaffold those tools so that they get them one at a time so that they can really focus on it. Um, and so I just think that that's so important as we're working with them. I want to give them opportunities to be creative. Um, I don't let them want them to use the computer just to consume, but I want them to have a ch chance to show their creativity, to create artifacts of learning. And so, they learn as I'm working with them that that's kind of how things work. When I come in, yes, we're using the computers and yes, it's fun, 
but we're also using it to share things. And they and and so they know that they they're getting those opportunities to really share their learning, and they get really excited about that. The fact that they can create something and you know they can share it with their classmates, they can share it with me. Um, it's a real, it's really important for them. And it's so funny because they'll know I'll walk around and I'll tweet out pictures, but they need an audience. We need to give our students authentic experiences. I, I want to pause right there and, and dive into this topic because for educators like you and I, who are, you know, we're, we're well into the digital space, saying things like, I want to have my kids share, I think that's important. I have my, my own triplet sharing. To many, what they hear is, I want to help my kids publish, and they start backing you away as a coach because of digital privacy and, 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 and you know, all, all of the, the, the negative things. Do you see, because I'll say by saying I do, do you see a difference between the word sharing and publishing? And if so, Absolutely. How, how do you redefine those terms? I'm, I'm pretty clear on mine. I'd love to hear what yours is. Um, well, within our district, we have a walled garden. So anything we publish is considered inside of that walled garden. We can't go outside of our district. To me, it's not about publishing. It's about sharing. It's about me taking a picture of their work. I'm not putting their name on it and tweeting out, look at the great things our students created while they were learning about ants or whatever they were learning about. It's important to, sh we need to tell the story of what our students are doing. There's a lot of narrative lately about what schools are doing that might not be completely accurate. We need to make sure that we're telling the great things that we're doing within our schools. And so I'm not talking about, you know, putting something out that's open to the whole world. I'm talking about taking pictures of their work, sharing what they're doing, giving them those opportunities to say, oh, did you see my picture on our school's Twitter feed? Or did you see our, my picture of my work? Bringing those conversations so the kids can share what they're doing. When I was at ISTE actually presenting at one of the playgrounds, someone came up to me after the fact and told me she was one of my students' moms. Um, it was a coincidence. And she's like, I almost raised my hand to say what you do really works because my son is at home and he's doing all those things that you just talked about. And I said to her, I said, you just made my day um, because I didn't even know she was in the audience. Um, we just need, and, and her son, he's using that program I was talking about, Wixier. He's using Flip. I'm still getting used to calling it Flip. And he's able to use those programs to really, you know, share his thinking. And I think that's so important. We don't give our students enough opportunities to share their thinking. It's not about one or two kids raising their hands but really giving our kids that opportunity to share. And one of the things that I really focused on a lot this year is teaching my students how to collaborate, showing them how to work in a project where they have some shared digital space. Even our kindergartners can do that, but it has to, everything I do with my students is very scaffolded because as we scaffold things, then kids can build independence. I want to jump back a little bit to something that you mentioned earlier, and this goes into a link that we have in our show notes under episode 207 here for Ask the Tech Coach. You recently published an article with Teach Better, um, basically discussing the reasons why we want to be thinking visual, why we want to be pointing out, you know, all the different pictures. And it was called One Icon at a Time. Tell us a little bit about the blog post and why should we be thinking more visually with our younger learners rather than you know, digital learning tool kind of a thing. 
I just think that, you know, we want to make sure our kids really are able to, you know, when they're young, they might not be able to necessarily read all the directions, but as we show them those icons, they're universal. They're going to help our students navigate those digital spaces. I'm really lucky Teach Better has, I'm, a, I'm an ambassador for them. I blog for them. I do a lot of different things with them. They've given me op an opportunity to do a Tech Better blog series, which I'm on a hiatus this summer, but coming back. And so it just really helps our students to understand how to use those that, that digital space. Because if you look at most programs, and like a lot of times I'll talk about Wixie versus Google Slides, they're both programs our little should have a foundation in. But if I've taught my students certain icons in Wixie, when they get to Google Slides, they're gonna be able to transfer that over very easily. Um, and so, you know, I, it, it, you know, we talk a lot about teaching our students if they're English, language learners and front-loading. That's what we're doing with those icons. We're really front-loading what it is. And a lot of times my students won't call it by the right name. My kids call Google Chrome the Google Circle. It doesn't matter. They, they It all self-corrects by second or third grade. But they know what those things are. And even our older kids, when I was started doing this um, four, four years ago, even some of my older kids were like, the first year I did this, I had a computer lab. I know we don't do that anymore, or at least, or I am, we don't do that anymore because of COVID. But I had a wall with all of those icons up, like a word wall, and it was like a vocabulary we were building. Um, since then, I kind of been traveling to students because we don't want to, we didn't want to have a shared space where everybody was touching things. But still building that is so important. The students know when they see that picture of an image, that means that they're adding images in there and I've included it as part of also my feedback. I use it as part of my rubrics as well to really help my students get those messages that they can do things and I'm going to give them the tools that they can do things. I spent way too much time trying to rescue my students. By rescuing my students, I was doing all the work, all the thinking and all the running. If we tell our students that that you know we have to rescue them, then they're not going to build that agency. And I just think it's so important. There's so many great ways that we can give our students those tools. And like I'll say to my students, I'll be like, well, why is this picture here? And they'll look at the, well, I'm supposed to use the paintbrush here. Or, you know, and they'll say, well, what should you do next? And they're able to look at what I've got, the scaffolds I've given them to determine those things. I just think that's super important because it went from me running around like a chicken with my head cut off playing whack-a-mole to me really helping the students and then when this year when we started doing more collaboration then building those relationships so they could help each other too i would imagine that when you're working with students of that age attention span just has to be on the front of your mind right like we all want to go in there and, and change their worlds and make them light up and all the, you know, five minutes and you've lost them sometimes. What, what's your strategies for anybody walking in and not, you know, you got a lot of students to hit. And you, as soon as you go from student two to student three, student two has changed their course of directory automatically because the attention span moves. But that's well, also a fun thing, right? Right. I think it's just important to make sure you're doing tasks that are developmentally appropriate. Like, you know, I when I teach my students how to do things, like I might first teach them how to look up an article, you know, using a kid-friendly database. Well, once 
once they've figured out how to do that and they've engaged with that, then maybe I'll have them start to share something they've learned. I'm continually building up those skills and I don't do a skill for one week and then say I'm done. You know, many times when I'm doing a new skill, I'll do it with them for several weeks to really make sure that they've cemented that skill in. In my previous position, I saw them for a half an hour every week. Um, I'm not exactly sure what my new schedule will look like, but I'm going to continue to reinforce those skills. I don't just do something once and figure that they have it. Just like with, our t you know, with any of us, we learn through that repeated practice. We build those muscles. And so I'm trying to help my students build those muscles so they can learn how to use these tools to help them learn. And then, and then once they've figured out how to do that with my help, how to share their learning. To me, it's all about what we're using that technology for. And it's been, you know, and that's really what's made a difference for the students is, you know, they know that we're re that when I come in, we're all about creating, we're all about sharing our knowledge, and it's exciting to them. And, you know, I think that that's that sometimes it's not about a worksheet, it's not about filling everything out, but it's really about engaging with content in a different way. And so when I come in and do the do those things, it's different than what they normally do. Now, should it be different all the time? No, but we have to take things one step at a time. Debbie, I want to say I'm excited for you because you not only do you have this journey in front of you with a new building, a new principal, new coaches, but you've also got an opportunity to reach out and really make a difference in the lives of many teachers and many students. Um, as we wrap up today, what is going through your mind the night before starting this new position? I'm really excited. Um I'm just, I, I'm really excited about getting a chance to be in a new building, to, to see what I can learn from this new building and also the impact I can have. I think it's a combination of the two things. I mean, my um, three, my four years in the previous building I was in, we, you know, I was able to have a really good impact on my school. I, you know, I, it was a hard decision to change gears, um, but I knew that I was ready for a new challenge. And so I'm looking forward to sitting down with my principal tomorrow morning and finding out how we're going to begin this journey together. Um, when she offered me the job and I accepted, she said, she said, yay, I had made her day. And I'm really looking forward to having an opportunity to be part of um, a yay, you know, culture <laughs> in a new, in a new and a different way. I'm really excited about that opportunity. I, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm excited for you. And if anybody else is out there and has questions about all this stuff, please reach out to Debbie. Debbie, how Absolutely. can we find you? I, I, I know I've invited you into the Facebook group. We'd love to have everybody join that. How do we get in touch with you to ask those questions? Because I'm interested. I'd love to have you come back tomorrow and talk about your first day on the job. So how do we get in touch with you? It's really easy. I'm pretty much Tannenbaum Tech everywhere. Um, so I'm on Twitter, which is probably the place I'm at the most. I'm on Facebook. I've, I also have a Facebook group. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. Not very successfully yet. Um, and then in addition, um, I have two books out, one that I wrote, Transform Techie Notes to Make Learning Sticky, and then a book I contributed to called Amplifying Instructional Design, um, which I know are already linked in the show notes. So, um, lot, and I have a blog I, that I put out at least once a week. Um, I'm, 
and I love to share. So I, you know, I, I go to conferences, I go to schools and I get a chance to share with them, you know, some of those tips and tricks that I found along the way, because we all, this is not something that I can just share about. And everybody's like, oh, yay. It's something we all need to do together because if we don't give our kids those skills that we need and we don't prepare them, it then digital skills become like this, ooh, well, what can I do with this versus understanding what to do, building them as digital leaders versus kids who are just, you know, following what they're not supposed to do. So I just think it's so important we have, you know, to set up those scaffolds so kids learn how to do these things. Highly recommend you check out everything. We're going to make sure we have the links here on episode 207 to go to Tannenbaum Tech uh, with the Twitter, the Facebook group. I just signed up for it. So I'm looking forward to, to, to learning from you on there. And, and Debbie, you know, Please come back on the show. We'd love Absolutely. to have you, you know, talking more about this topic. It's certainly something that I've been interested in for the last eight years, but it's also certainly something that I think decides we need to have a group of teachers on here or a group of coaches because, you know, working with these amazing young learners is something that I love doing, but I still struggle with. And every day is different. And you can walk into a, a pre-K or a kindergarten room and you can be the, the, the biggest dinosaur in the world and they love you. And then you can walk in the next day and you can just tell that the teacher has had it and don't walk in the room. And I've, I've, I've had success yeah. on both of those things, but I think the important thing is keep those relationships going and you'll be successful. Absolutely. And, you know, and sometimes it was just the simple things in my old school. I walk around every morning and I just talk to teachers. And as we were having those conversations, you know, something will come up and it'll be like, oh, well, have you considered doing this? Well, I don't know how to do that. Well, I'd love to come in and help you with that. And those organic conversations a lot of times are what's most important. Um, it's, you know, it's not about, you know, pushing an agenda. The goal is my job is to help teachers because teachers have the hardest job of all right now. Um, and my job is to help make a teacher's job more effective and easier. It's not to make it harder for them. If I'm making a teacher's job harder, I'm not doing my job well. That right there is, I think, where we'll leave it because that right there is the hashtag that is the mug quote. And that is something that we can have on the back of all of our shirts. If I'm making my teacher's life difficult, I'm not doing my job. I, I, I love that right there. Debbie, thank you so much for your time. Please come back on. Absolutely. And, and, and really, congratulations on the new position. I'd love to hear how it goes. Absolutely. If anything that we've said today rings true, we'd love to hear from you guys. Of course, we, you can find us over on askthetechcoach.com. Scroll on down to the bottom, join our Facebook group, join us over on LinkedIn. We got a lot of great things happening. It's already been an amazing summer, lots of content coming out. And we want to say thank you, of course, as always, for making TeacherCast your home for professional development. So on behalf of Debbie and everybody here on TeacherCast, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.